You're listening to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear their identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the church, the word, and our risen Savior, Jesus. Well, here we are back for another episode. Welcome to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood conversation with Jay Teresi. I'm Chica Eloy. Jay, welcome to the pod this morning. Hey, good morning, Chica. Praise the Lord. We have had, what was it, around 200 folks tuning in over the Thanksgiving week. So if you're a man and this is your second episode because last week was your first, welcome. Welcome to this space. Uh, This is a podcast where Jay and I are just really hanging out to talk about our faith and our walk forward in trying to rediscover our own biblical manhood. So we're excited to have new listeners. Yeah, it's it's great. And I hope it's helpful. You know, one of the things we always talk about here, we're not theologians, we're just guys. We're letting you in on our conversation as we try to live out a biblical life, which we get wrong quite a bit. And then we come here and we talk about it so we can all try to grow and benefit and learn. But, you know, the reality is the world is starving for biblical men. So if you're a Christian, you know, this podcast is designed to help you uh, think through what does it mean to be a man after Christ's heart. I'm going to pray for us, Jay, and listeners, so if you just join me. Jesus, we're going to ask that as we speak into this topic, which is very exciting for Jay and I, because it's something that we're dealing with, that you just lead us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. We invite the Holy Spirit into this conversation and into men's hearts as we all listen and learn from each other. We love you so much. Holy Spirit, come. Amen. Amen. There we are, Jay. Why don't you open us up? We've got an interesting one-off topic here today, living an unoffended life, which in this hour in our world, you know, the spirit of the age right now, offense is like what it's all about. Everybody's offended everywhere. And it's not only justified, it's really celebrated. And people are encouraging you to be offended. And we're using that offense to change everything about our society and culture, particularly in the Western world, particularly in the United States, it's very hip to be offended. Get angry, get angry, live angry, Mm -hmm. right? But it's very, very unbiblical. And Chica, we had this, you know, first of all, I can't believe we're coming up pretty soon on the three-year anniversary of the pandemic, just mind-boggling. But I was thinking back through 2020 and 2021, and you and I were, you know, meeting for breakfast every week through the pandemic. We were connecting on Marco Polo multiple times a day as we were kind of locked in our houses. And and you brought up this topic. I think it was like the fall of 2020. We're having breakfast one morning. And you said to me, you know, Jay, offense is a choice. And I remember thinking, wow, Chica, you're in HR. Like, I don't think you can say that. I think I think a little bit more context. I was being asked every day to build out frameworks around this whole new or not new, but it was newer during the pandemic, this whole diversity and inclusion piece. And so as a Christian man, some of the things I was being asked to do, I was I was really questioning, saying, is that right for our people at the office? And so I then was checking in with myself, being offended by things that were offensive towards me and the way that I thought we should be living life at the office compared to what the office and, and or lots of people are still asking for. Yeah, that's right. And, and it, it sparks a lot of really good conversation between you and I. I remember joking around. I'm like, Chica, you got to write a book about this. But I had an opportunity to go to a conference a couple of weeks ago, a Christian conference. I talked about it a little bit on the last podcast. It was a revival. Pastors just going and going and going. But as part of it, there were some breakout sessions. And my wife said, hey, let's go to this 
breakout session. It's called Living an Unoffended Life. I'm like, well, that sounds interesting. Well, it was incredibly interesting. And it, and it kind of brought Chica and I back around to this topic of what is it? What is part of the Christian walk? What does the Bible have to say? Well, here, here, here's something really interesting. The, the Bible offers no justification for being offended as a Christian. And in fact, it's quite the opposite. And so Chica and I just wanted to take a moment and dig into that a little bit. And Chica, as always, when you and I start talking about a topic, this week I have been offended multiple times. <laughs> so I've had to confront this. So I just, I want to say at the outset, like Chica and I have not mastered this topic. It's part of why we're talking about it. But I think it, I think it is a nice add-on to the series we just finished around manhood. You know, going through the stages of manhood, being a warrior, being a king, being a sage, you can't do those things well if you're living from a place of offense. Mm. And and just for our listeners too, I, w- I want us to define this real quickly. When we are saying offended, Jay, well, when you say offended or when you uh, hear me ask you the question, is offense a choice? What are you referring to when you hear the word offense? You know, it's it's it, for me, it boils down to can your feelings get hurt? Mm. And do you have buttons that people can push? One of the most provocative things that the pastor said in the breakout session was, if I don't have any buttons to push, if nobody can push any of my buttons, I can't be offended. And that was why he, he, was, he was posturing this question, how come the people closest to us can offend us the most? And it's like, they know us the best, so they know what buttons to push on us. Trigger. And his point back was, what if you didn't have any buttons? As always, I did a little bit more research into the etymology of the word. Scalalon, I don't know how to say it, scalalon, which basically is the root word for scandal. It's Greek. That's offense, right? So offense, scalalon, uh, to the, the, the word Greek, which basically means scandal or trap. And that's curious that being offended is actually the root word trap. Like it's a trap, Jay. It's a trap. Well, which makes sense. And this is a really interesting position. So I love thinking about it that way. Because, you know, one of the things we talk about here, Chica, is this is a fallen and broken world, right? There's a spiritual, there's a spiritual plane where there's battles going on all the time. Paul says our 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 battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the demonic. And actually, worldly wisdom is demonic. It sounds good, right? Like people say to you, man, that's really offensive. You should be offended by what that person said. And that sounds great. You're like, yeah, that's right. But think about what you just said. No, that's a trap for you to walk down a road that is not the road that Christ laid down for us as men. And why do we not even have the right? See, here, here's what's even more provocative. Does a Christian have the right to be offended? And this Ooh. pastor made the argument that you don't actually, once you accept Christ, you don't have the right to be offended. Why don't you have the right to be offended? Because of the cross. Mm. Christ went to the cross. He died on the cross. And what is one of the last things he did on the cross? He asked for forgiveness for those who were persecuting him, offending him, right? And what is the last thing Stephen asked for? The first martyr as he's dying, he he emulates Jesus and says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know, rather than being offended when you should be offended by worldly standards, that's an opportunity for the Christian man to step back and go, Ooh, what's the trap here the devil's offering me? And where can I go with this to bring the light of Christ into this situation? Trap- Not that I know how to do that. The trap of the enemy. If we could jump straight into scripture there, Jay. I mean, Jesus said it, right? In Luke, I believe it was chapter 17, I was reading last night. Um, he said, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. 
And I love this idea that you just said it's a trap for the enemy. Even Jesus is saying offenses will come, right? And woe to you. Yeah, and the reality is there are valid reasons by earthly standards to be offended, right? So just last night, my wife and I, you know, my wife and I do preventative marriage counseling. We've been doing it for years. Chica, you know this. I'm a huge fan of that. By the way, men, if you're listening, man, go once every six or eight. If you think you have an awesome marriage, go every six or eight weeks. Find a great Christian counselor. Take your wife. It's awesome. You can take your marriage to deeper places. It helps prevent things. So last night, we're going for a tune-up. Things have been great between us. It was just our regular tune-up. Uh, to go in and see our our counselor. And we're on the way. And my wife asks me a question. She says, what do you think I'm thinking about? <laughs> and I'm yeah, like, yeah, that's always a very interesting and open <laughs> closet that we're about to walk into. <laughs> well, and you know, I failed. So I um, <laughs> I got a lot of it right, actually, to my, to my defense, as I defend myself from being offended. But, you know, my wife has a big thing going on in her life. And, you know, for whatever reason, I just blanked on it. And I just blanked on it. And mm. Then it it created some some pretty and then I got offended and I got real righteous like who who can answer this question like this is totally unreasonable in fact we went into the counseling session pretty tense and we had the most tense counseling session we've ever had and we've been meeting with this counselor for um, more than ten years twelve mm. years and and it was like we had to do real work last night but it was funny because I'm like. Of course, because we're talking about this tomorrow. And then on the way home, my wife's like, so you're shooting that unoffended podcast tomorrow. Like, how are you feeling about that? <laughs> but, you know, it was it was you've amazing. Got, you've got trigger wounds all over right now. I had a similar, well, nothing similar to that yesterday, but I, I have been noticing at the office uh, over the last couple of weeks, when we choose to do something, we're getting a lot of offended people right back in saying, well, why are you choosing to do that? Why did you as the leadership make that decision? Why, why, why? And what I actually realized this week was I was like, their reaction, their trigger, their offense right now on a decision to move a meeting to provide more information and transparency to them is actually quite selfish. And so I think when I get offended, typically I'm being very selfish. You said the word righteous in that moment. Yeah, and and what you're bringing up is, is a great example. When we are looking inward, we can't look or live like Jesus. Because when we're looking inward at ourselves, that's a completely selfish act. How does this impact me? So last night when I chose to get offended at my wife, hey, you can't ask me that question. How can I know what you're thinking about? And that's not really what she was asking me. She was asking me, do you see me? Are you paying attention to what's going on in my life to the big important things, which I should be if I'm looking outward and loving? And and you know, we did a long series on the fruit of the spirit here, Chica. Just in the New Testament, this kind of life, this unoffended life, it's First Corinthians 13, it's the fruit of the spirit. I need to look out at my wife and say, rather than my buttons being pushed and escalating the battle, which I did for a while, for about a half hour, um, I acted like a child. And I escalated, 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 rather than looking inward to saying, my, my, my wife's heart is wounded right now. How can I ask for forgiveness and lean in to provide love and support? Um, because she has a doctor's appointment today and it's a big deal and everything's fine, but it's just, it's a big deal in her life. And she's, she wanted to talk about that. And she wanted to know that I was paying attention to that. And the truth is I wasn't paying attention to that. I forgot about it. I've got this visual of John the Baptist on the side of the, on the side of the, the river. And he's, he's making all these proclamations and then Jesus walking down the hill. And how many times did he see Jesus? And, and he shouts, here comes the Lamb of God. And then he baptizes Jesus and then asks the disciples to go to Jesus and ask him, you know, are you truly the one 
who is to come? Or should we expect somebody else? Question mark. Right? In that moment, if you're Jesus, you're like, dude, what? I mean, it would have been so easy for him to say, do you not know who I am? I mean, we've, you've, you talked, you've grown up with me. You, you pointed at me and now you're asking, you're questioning if this is truly it. I mean, offense could go both ways. And I'm wondering whether Jesus ever got offended and then because he's perfect, he just didn't get offended, right? But inside he's like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, and then there's other times where I, I wonder when I'm expecting something like John, I'm expecting something from God or I'm expecting this to be the, the time, the place. Does God ever offend you, Jay? I mean, man, that is such a big question, right? Like, if I believe that God has not come through for me, if I'm praying for something, if I'm leaning in, if I feel like I'm, come on, God, where are you? And he doesn't come through. I think I think a lot of people lose their faith in God because they're offended that he didn't come through for something that they felt was really, really important. And God should have been there for them. I think that totally can happen. But that wasn't Jesus' posture, right? Jesus lived a life of compassion. Jesus always had compassion. And so, you know, when we think God didn't come through for us, what are we doing? We're looking inward again and being selfish. Jesus was never looking inward. He was always looking outward. And I think when, when we find ourselves in any kind of offense, whether it's at God or another person or whatever it is, it's a fantastic opportunity for us to stop. That should be a trigger to us that says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why am I offended? What? Because when you get offended, you're living in self-deception. Something is deceiving you. Because we know as a Christian, okay, anytime I feel offended, I'm outside now of the Christian walk. Like, this isn't how God lived. God lived out of pure love, and love doesn't take offense, right? First Corinthians 13, love is patient, it's kind, it's not mm. offended. So, okay, okay, I'm unoffendable, but I am feeling offended because I'm still a human. I still live in my flesh. I'm still in a fallen and broken world. What, that's the great opportunity for the Christian man to pivot and go, what's really happening here? And how do I get to walk back into this and be like, not today, devil. I'm going to lean into this situation, and I'm going to do restoration. I'm not going to do offense. I'm going to do restoration. I love that, Jay. And maybe as we as we turn the corner here, we can start to think about the action, recognizing the bait, recognizing that this is a trap, and that anytime I'm about to or I get that bubble to rise up and, and feel righteous or feel selfish in that moment or speak what I'm saying, and this is actually interesting. Um, and I've noticed this over the last three years as we've continued to, to, to peel away at this topic, this righteousness of well, as a Christian, this is how I should feel, and that is wrong. And let me tell you why that is wrong, and let me point at why that is wrong. And I'm just talking within our own circles. This idea of I'm so offended that that or these two guys on this podcast, they don't even really know what they're talking about. And theologically, let me tell you how that is wrong, because I am offended by what they just spoke to. I love that. I love that. And I'd come back with Philippians 10.2, do all things without complaining. I love it. I love it. <laughs> if you live a life where you're unoffended, you're also not going to be complaining. Because what's the first thing you do when you get offended? You complain. Y you know, I would wrap up with a story from this lesson. This pastor said something that blew my mind. He said, you know, if, if I came home and my wife had gone sideways, it would make my life more difficult. But do I have to be offended by that? And then he took it a step further. He said, what if I came home and found out my wife was having an affair? Would I divorce? because I would be on the right. She has offended me. She has committed offense against me. He said, but what I would do 
is I would go over to the man's house she's having an affair with, and I would sleep on his porch until she came home. Because I would be so broken that her heart is so far from God that her life got so off track that she felt like having an affair was an appropriate thing. And I would just pray for her because she's so lost and my heart is broken for her. He said, you know, if, am, I, am I so broken for people that I'm praying for them because I want them back to God or I want, I want their behavior to change because it'll make my life easier? He oh, said, if, whoa, 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 whoa. Say that again. Say that one more time, Jay. Am I praying for people because my heart is broken for the state of their heart? Or am I praying for their behavior to change, especially those close to me, because it'll make my life easier? Oh, so and, good. And you could argue, well, I could do both. I mean, no, you can't argue that. Like, why are you really praying for change? He said, if my wife was having an affair, my life would, of course, be harder. But she cannot affect my relationship with God if I'm not offended and my heart's right with God. I'm not the one having the affair. She is. Yes, my life won't be easier, but I don't have to live offended. I could live in a state of prayer for her to come home. I couldn't so, even wrap my brain around that, by the way. Well, well, I think it's awesome, and it makes total sense. I mean, you're speaking, to, you're acting just like Jesus in that moment. I mean, we've talked about this before, how G Jesus is always having his heart broken for people, not because of their behavior. It's how he lived. I mean, he lived. And I think, I think as we're thinking about it, Chica, you know, what could be the action from this week? The action I took out of that conference, I'll just share here, because the big action item he gave us is, do you have any buttons anyone can push? And if you do, can you identify them? And how do you eradicate them? Because if you have no buttons that can be pushed, cannot be offended. Praying, praying for the broken heart, recognizing the, the, the bait. I, I'd also want to throw in there, be Colossians 3, right? Quick to forgive. Mm. If somebody triggers you, forgive them before you react at them. Right. And James 1, slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to forgive. I mean, this is the Christian walk, right? I mean, Jesus, I, I, I just watched episodes one and two of season three of The Chosen, and that is just getting better and better, by the way. It just brings to life the posture of Christ, how he lived. He just, he looked at people and he just saw their brokenness and had so much compassion. And he could have lived a completely offended life. People were insulting him everywhere he went. But that he had no buttons to push. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this conversation today. Lord, thank you for your spirit. And we bring everything that we do today under your authority to accept imperfection in ourselves, Lord, to fill the gaps with a thirst for you, Lord. Um, and as you say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lord, let us continue to consider what you have done for us on the cross before we get triggered to be self-righteous and of this world. We love you so much. We praise you. Thank you for blessing us. Amen. Amen.